Coming up on this episode of Up for Debate, it's another one of our lovely creative challenges, and tonight we're writing our own adventure. Do you go left? Do you go right? Plenty of decisions to make. What are we going to choose? Find out right now. This is Up for Debate, episode number 157, recorded September 12th, 2019. Choose your own adventure. Hello, everybody. Welcome to this episode of Up for Debate, the debate show where the two hosts agree on everything. I am Sean Jennings, joined, as always, by the R.L. Stein of podcasting, Mr. Matt Mariani. Hello, Matt. Hey, how's it going there, Indiana Sean? Oh. You ready for a uh, new adventure today? Uh, Matt, I am excited uh, an idea so good, we came up with it five minutes ago, and I think uh, this will be fascinating. People may remember, I'm going to look up the exact uh, episode number, but people may remember that we famously did a uh, kind of write-your-own-story episode before. Right. Do you remember right. anything about that story we wrote? On. Uh, no, I confess I don't. We do a lot of these episodes, Sean. We're, well, we're, work, we're workhorses. We really are. We're always at it, making episodes. There's tons of episodes, and they all a lot of them blend together. Like uh, the other, our other infamous creative challenge episode. Our um, our our we had our board game, invent your own board game episode. I'm surprised we ever even published that. Well, Sean, there's only one person here that publishes the podcast. That's true. I could have done better. It's not this guy, so. <laughs> I'm, man, we had so many weird. Um, no, episode 20 was the uh, our, the last time we wrote a story. So it was a long, all the way back in uh, in yield uh, 2016, early 2016. So doesn't that doesn't I mean I I I know it's a cliche at this point, but doesn't that seem like a lifetime ago? <laughs> doesn't that really seem like? two maybe three lifetimes ago well you know matt it, the, the the truth is it's it's a little different for you i've done nearly 500 episodes of podcast nearly 500 hours at this point and yeah i don't remember any of it you should get a t-shirt not a <laughs> says that i've done over 500 hours of podcast and yet i'm still single and all i got was this lousy <laughs> t-shirt coffee and beer tv um yeah yeah, Matt, we're going to do it a little differently this time. No freewheeling. We're going to be a little smart about this, but we're going to spin a narrative tale for you listeners tonight, and here's how it's going to work. It's create-your-own-adventure-style story, where we're going to start with a generic prompt, and then we're going to take turns going back and forth, telling little tidbits of the story, advancing the character and the plot and these sorts of things. At the end of each of our turns, we're going to give the other person a couple choices, two or three choices to choose from. Uh, you know, it might be, you know, uh, open the door or, you know, uh, go to the other bill. You know, I don't know. There'll be choices. We'll figure it out as we go along. And it's the other person's opportunity to choose one of them and then continue the story. So we're giving them a couple different ways they can go. Uh, we'll also have the opportunity throughout to drop in a couple of what I'm calling death cards, which is we get to kill off the character and then go back and choose the other option. Because that I just think that'll be fun. 
uh, and we're going to go for as long as we've got something interesting to say. Are you ready, Matt? Yeah, yeah, I'm ready. I'm always ready for adventure, Sean. So I pulled up this website that has a list of short story ideas, but I need a genre from you, so I'm going to give you some options, okay? Do you think it should be a comedy, a drama, fantasy, holiday, horror, mystery thriller, romance, or science fiction? Oh, holiday surprised me. (laughs) I, I, I don't really think of holiday as a genre. Unless you're watching Netflix, and sometimes it comes up and it's like, favorite holiday movies. I don't want holiday, for the record. I okay. think um, I think science fiction. Okay. I think it should be a science fiction story. Uh, all right, let me scroll through a couple of these and see if any of these really work. <laughs> scroll away. Uh, this is very see, exciting. That's what I like about you, Sean, as a, as a podcast host. You're so honest. Of what I'm you're doing. One of the- most honest podcasters you admitted that we came up with this idea five minutes before the show started i like your honesty well you know matt it's also integrity the other problem is that one of the biggest sins in any audio medium is dead air you always have to be talking you can never stop talking even when you're doing something very boring that's yeah Unless you, I mean, you could go in post, right, and edit the dead air to be like. I am not going to do. I would much rather ramble on aimlessly than go in and edit this show. I don't edit this show ever. I bet if you edited this show, I bet we'd win some awards. Just saying. What? All the like an the Emmy? Pod, what award? All of the podcasts that win awards, the award-winning podcasts, they're all edited. Uh, <sighs> Uh, see, dead air, you Why can't have that. Why are you trying to make more work for me, Matt? <laughs> Jesus! I already do everything. I think we should put a poll out there to our studio audience. I, and the poll should be, should Matt edit the show? I, if I knew how to do it, Sean... I'll teach you. They'll teach me how to edit, but by the time... I'm a very slow learner. Well, that's true. By the time I learn this, the whole process, you know, you might as well have edited this episode yourself. You could request time off work to do it. Uh, I edit. I, I edit audio at work. There you go. It's part of okay. my job. Then you can just edit this podcast there too. We can just we'll use your company as a sponsor. Then you can say that it's it's for the company. I don't really like any of these prompts. They're not very fun. They're not fun. Science fiction, not fun? No, but it's all like... Is there All right, how about this, Matt? Let me read this prompt to you and see if it gets your attention. Scientists have created a man-made atmosphere around the planet of Mars in order to make it completely livable. Your character is one of the lucky few who were chosen to be among the first to inhabit the planet. What they don't know is that there is no atmosphere and others already inhabit it. What? What? Why would they add that last part in at the end that's the twist how can people live then i guess they lied and there is no atmosphere i don't know it would just start out it would be like you take your helmet off you're dead story's over the end oh okay all right okay we can change the genre then we can go to is there was there mystery did you say mystery 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 thriller is one let's do that let's do mystery thriller okay 
Uh, oh boy, these are. Uh, I think the cool thing about choose your own adventure. Yeah. Um, that I always found was really neat was Ooh. when it goes it goes into like um. Kind of like. Kind of like it, it becomes. It becomes almost like a parody of itself. I always think that's pretty cool. How about this map? Mm-hmm. Uh, your character is a key witness for a murder case. Video footage of them at the scene during the murder shows that clearly. The only problem? You can't remember anything from that night. Whoa, that sounds awesome. Let's do that. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Do you want to start us or should I? Um, You set the stage. Okay. The year, 2019. The place, Hoboken, New Jersey. Clint Flapjack. Solid name. Wakes up in his bed wearing only his boxer shorts. The blankets loosely scattered around him. The sun peering in through a crack in the shades. Clint has a terrible headache that could only be... That, that he knows well as the sign of some sort of hangover. He thinks deeply about what he did the previous night, but nothing comes to mind. He groans. Not this again. He thinks to himself. He grabs his phone off the counter... Uh, off the nightstand and peers at it. What does it say on the phone, Matt? Is Candy it... Crush. <laughs> I'm giving you the choices. Oh, okay. That's the one right. thing about Jesus. You're okay, gonna... okay. Is it... What does it say? A message from his friend, Mitch. Is it... Is it an angry text from a number he not in his phone he doesn't recognize? Or... Is it a Venmo transaction for $30,000? Is it his friend Mitch? Is it an angry text from a number he doesn't know or a Venmo receipt for $30,000? Oh, I got to. I'm I really I was very tempted by Mitch. But well, I'm going to go with a Venmo. more open for you. But Venmo, okay, Venmo. All yes. right, now you continue the story. $30,000 Venmo. 30,000. Yes. yes. Okay, go ahead, Matt. Okay. Take it away. Um, wow. Says Kaiser Flapjack. Clint that is Flapjack. Oh, Clint, Clint Flap. That's much more normal. <laughs> Clint <laughs> Flapjack. Yeah. Um, $30,000. What What the heck was I up to last night? Gosh. He says as he bangs his head with his, his palm of his hand. Ow, that really hurt. I shouldn't do that so hard. I forgot. I, I may, I may have, I may have a hangover. Says Clint Flapjack. I should probably go over to the sink and get some some water. That'll 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 maybe settle things a little bit. He goes over to the sink, as he as he um, delicately tiptoes across his his bedroom floor. Um, the, the, the floorboards creaking with every step along the way, he draws water from the tap, 
pulls it uh, and drinks it. Um, he goes for another glass, puts it under the tap this, and, and turns the faucet. Um, water comes out. He drinks it again, looks at himself in the mirror, wondering uh, how these years that have gone so slow have been so cruel and so so taxing on his once youthful visage. Only when he looks in the mirror, what is looking back at him, is it A, his own reflection, B, the face of a woman he's never met, or see a small child. As Clint turns his head towards the mirror, he's startled at the appearance of a woman he's never met. Her face only there for a moment, but a moment burned into his memory. Suddenly his own face appears, covered in blood. He thinks to himself, what the hell did I get into last night? When suddenly there's a knock on the door. Still in his boxer shorts and with a half-drinking glass of water, he goes to open the door. Slowly, he turns the knob and opens it and finds two police officers standing at his front door. Excuse me? Uh, we're looking for Clint? Clint Flapjack? Are you Clint? Uh, yes, I am, he says to, to the first officer. Uh, is there something I can help you gentlemen with? Uh, yes, Mr. Flint, we need to come talk to you uh, about something you may have witnessed last night. Please come with us to the station. Does Clint willingly go with the officers? Pretend he's going to A, B, pretend he's going to go get dressed and search for more clues before leaving with the officers, or C, pretend he's going to get dressed and try to escape out the back. Something told Clint that these were not real police officers. <laughs> Somewhere in the deep recesses of his mind, he remembers a voice saying, these are not real police officers. Um, why well, must, I must, okay. Officers, if I can call you that, I will be right, I will, I will comply. I will go right with you to the police station, but first I need to go and put on my favorite pair of pants. As you can see, I am not wearing pants at the moment because I just woke up out of bed. Officer uh, Lou um, Christopher Lloyd, as if that is your real name, is what it says, says on your badge, says Flapjack. Um, if you'll excuse me, I will go ahead and uh, and don some some slacks as it is still very early in the morning. So quarter past two p.m. says uh, with the officer, and my name's not Lloyd; it's it's Boyd. So, okay, I, I suppose you can go put on your pants or whatever. You you know you're acting pretty strange for, you know, a supposedly innocent guy. And you know what? I'm just doing my job, and I am a real police officer for the record. 
Uh, okay, says Flapjack. That's not what the voices in my head are telling me, but okay. <laughs> Flapjack turns around. He goes over to um, get his pants from his drawer and escapes out the window. Uh, Boyd says, ah, turns to his partner and says, that's the third one this week. So uh, cut to our friend Flapjack. He's running out the window and, and um, <laughs> still hasn't, has, has, it's just, just in his boxers. And he's running down the Hoboken street and he's, you know, the, uh, the grime, the graffiti, the dirt, the, uh, the grit of the inner city. You know, you can just kind of taste that concrete jungle vibe. And he goes, I wonder how many, he says, he wanders aloud. I wonder how many, uh, how many souls this city sucks up uh, every year, every day. Just, just people toiling and working for the honest buck and it, it all gets ripped out. Uh, and these two hipsters that pass right by, walk right by them. They're, they're like, what's up with that guy? And they, as they go to the nearest Starbucks and. Uh, and uh, hang out in their uh, in their in their their chino pants and their 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 hipster glasses. Um, Flapjack anyway. Flapjack is walking down the street without anywhere to go, and 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 he is being pursued by these police officers. Uh, does he go left? Does he hang a left down the end of the street to the docks? The, the um the famous docks of Hoboken or does he make a right to the train the train station where does he go if there's one thing Clint knew he needed in that moment more than anything else it was a boat so he turned to head towards the docks but before he could get there in the distance just the faintest bit that he could see, he thought he saw the same woman from the mirror. But it was only a flash as she turned the corner and out of his view. Naturally, he ran in that direction, which led him straight into the gap. Entering the gap, uh, this man, wearing only his boxer shorts and covered in blood, caused quite a scene as he searched for this mystery woman. He questions himself, was she even there at all? Or have I truly begun to lose my mind? At this point, as he was rummaging around getting blood all over those khaki pants and polo shirts, in walked Officer Lou Christopher Boyd and his partner, who does not have a name. They began looking for him and clearly found him because he was making a big scene in a disaster. It wasn't until the last second that Clint noticed the officers. And at that point, their tasers had already been fired. <laughs> Clint writhed on the ground, electrocuted and in pain. It was in this moment, a memory began to come back to him. In this moment of extreme stress. Did he remember? A. What he had for breakfast the previous day. B. Where that $30,000 came from. Or C. Something that hasn't happened yet. Ham and egg omelet, please. <laughs> Flapjack says. But Flapjack, you hate ham and egg omelets. 
croaks the diner waitress. You always get, well, what? Well, what? Responds Flapjack. Well, well, what? What do I always get? Linda? Well, Flapjack, you always get waffles. Waffles and black coffee are your favorite breakfast. You get it every morning. I would know. This is Linda's diner, after all. <laughs> oh, responds Flapjack. Sorry. Uh, it, this, um, it must be this, this headache I have. It won't go away. And there's this voice telling me to order... To order... To order what, says Linda. Well, it, the voice is telling me I, sh I really should order a ham and egg omelet. Um, but I do suppose I'll have the waffle, if you say so. Good choice there, Mr. Flapjack. The waffles here are top-notch. Some might say $30,000 worth. That's an oddly specific number, says Flapjack. Is that some kind of number that I should be remembering, that I should know about? Nah, says Linda. You'll figure it out soon. And, uh, just as Linda turns to walk back to the counter, she stops, as if remembering a foregone thought. Turning ever so slowly back to Flapjack, with a blank expression on her face that would wake the living dead, she says to Flapjack, don't trust those cops. Remember, Flapjack. Remember. Oh, and did you want cream in that coffee? Flapjack says, nice try, Linda. You know I'm lactose intolerant. Okay, you got me, says Linda. I'll go make you your coffee. And she turns and walks back to the counter. Hey, was that newspaper there before? Says Flapjack as he just notices the, the the newspaper right next to him at the at the the diner diner booth. He looks at the headline and he is startled by what it says. Does it say something about Flapjack's past? Does it say Flapjack, you need to find a boat? Or does it say Flapjack. Here's $30,000 in a Venmo account. <laughs> or does it say, um, or does it say something else? Something else. Flapjack, awaiting his coffee and breakfast, peers over at the newspaper and is intrigued by the headline which reads, don't get caught in the gap. That, something about that phrase jogs his memory to an even earlier flashback of when Flapjack was a child, little Flint, little Clint, they used to call him back in the day. Clint was on a road trip with his family, his love, the Flapjacks, a loving 
New Jersey family traveling the Southwest. And like any good family in the 30s, they stopped at one of America's great landmarks, the Grand Canyon. But little Clint, there was something different about him. He was a curious child. It was as if something in his head was propelling him to do these strange and unusual things. Like jump into the Grand Canyon. Little Clint broke every bone in his body doing that. But he learned a valuable lesson. Steer clear of the gap. He flashed back to the present. Huh, he thought to himself. That flashback really didn't have anything to do with my life. It's weird that I remembered that. And also, I don't understand this newspaper, he thought. It was at this time that Linda returned from his coffee. He went down to take a sip. That was when he realized she forgot the creamer. And that's when he snapped back into the gap as he was being tased by the police. It was easy once he was subdued for the cops to put him in handcuffs, throw him in the back of the car, and they began to drive him down to the station. It was at this point that Officer Lou Christopher Boyd began peppering him with questions. Such as, Sir, what is with all the blood on your face? And why did you run into that gap? But Clint couldn't... His mouth was dry, as if filled with mothballs. He couldn't manage the words that he wanted to say. All he could do was sit there and stare out the window at the dirty, gritty, New Jersey-esque streets of Hoboken as they went by his window. As the cops pulled into the station, something snapped in his mind, and a message came to the forefront of what he should do next. An internal force pulling him strongly. Does it say to him, go with the officers, you need to be in the police station, or... Does it say, try and steal their gun? Or does it say, <laughs> Flapjack thought for a minute, long and hard. <laughs> what is, what is, man, I really had a crazy night last night. He thinks to himself for a moment, what is with all this blood on my face? And why am I all of a sudden really hungry for ham and egg, ham, ham and cheese omelet? Uh, I, I hate those, but I should probably try and steal the officer's gun. Uh, that seems like a much more, much more plausible approach. Flapjack thinks to himself. And besides, the voices in my head are telling me to do it. And things have worked out pretty well so far listening to them. So he he turns and and uh the minute the minute his outstretched hand approaches the uh holstered weapon, uh, he receives another shock from the from the taser and the world goes black around him. As he comes to, he sees a beam of light, nothing but this one beam of light in the center focal point. The light grows wider 
and wider still. And like a light switch turning on and illuminating a room, he sees before him a red Corvette. It's a shiny Corvette, a classic, some might say. It reminded him of a simpler age, an easier time to be a kid. A giant, ginormous hand clutches the seemingly tiny red Corvette and picks it up, lifting it into the air. Wow. Is, am I in the land of giants? Have I died and gone to some kind of giant-filled realm? Thinks Flapjack. But no. He is in his cradle as a child. As a small baby child. And he sees the red Corvette being lifted in the air as it flies, without, seemingly without a care in the world. For, for gravity or any other force that might be keeping it down in the ground. Another flash of light and the Corvette falls into the cradle. The hand is no more and he is left with darkness and the, re the little tiny red Corvette clutched in his baby fingers. $30,000, he hears a voice say, $30,000. I'm telling you, man, it's a great investment. The lights come on again, only this time the surroundings are much less safe. They're much, much more, uh, much, much more of a feeling of uncertainty in the pit of his stomach. Yeah, man. $30,000, I'll wire it to you. All you got to do is one thing. As the lights grow um, brighter, he realizes he's in a back alleyway of the, one of the Hoboken streets. Is he asked by this mysterious voice to A, rob a bank, B, invest in the stock market or B mind the gap Clint sat there and thought to himself why would someone with $30,000 asking me to rob a bank that doesn't make any sense he then says this exact thing out loud to the mysterious man excuse me sir why would you pay me $30,000 to rob a bank? Why not just keep the $30,000 for yourself? It's at that point, the mysterious man thinks to himself, Wow, Mr. Flapjack, you make a really good point. Thank you anyway. And he turns to go and walk away. It's at that point, he turns around and says, Wait a second, I thought of something else you can do for $30,000. Is it A, buy a, right, a shiny new red Corvette? B, 
Mutual bonds. C. Pay off the parking tickets of everyone in town. You know, I've always wanted to invest in mutual bonds, things Flapjack. This could be a really fun time, and it could be a really interesting... All of a sudden, his th- every thought in his head goes blank. It's he's searing with pain. Pain in every fiber of his being. He wakes up in a cell. It's dark. No one around him. But there's that light again on his face. You thought you could get away with it, Mr. Flapjack. But it wasn't the voice of one of the officers that he met earlier. Boyd or nameless officer number one. It was a totally new, yet somehow familiar voice. All we asked you to do was mind the gap. And you couldn't do it. You just couldn't mind the gap, could you, Mr. Flapjack, if that is your real name? Um, I'm pretty sure it's my real name. It's a stupid name, but my name. Believe me, I would know. I was mercilessly bullied for it back in, in grade school, responded Flapjack. Well, we could either do this the easy way or the hard way, Mr. Flapjack. We told you once to mind the gap. Now we're going to really tell you. So what does he pick? The easy way or the hard way? Clint Flapjack was never known for doing things the easy way. He always had to do them the hard way. It was at this point as if by some higher force, the lock on his cell suddenly clicked open and the door slowly swung outward. The mysterious man entered the cell and decided to take the bedsheet off of Clint's bed. Clint curious more than scared at this point, wondering what was going to happen next. Slowly, the mysterious man tied the bedsheet around Clint's neck. He wanted to fight back, but there was something in him that wouldn't allow him to. All he could do was stand there, frozen, in fear and, frankly, confusion. The man then took the rest of that bedsheet, tied it above a rafter above his cell, and slowly hung Clint to his death. The end. Or is it? Clint knew he had to take the easy way out. (laughs) He said to the mysterious man, please, let's do it the easy way. I'll tell you. Anything you want to know. And the mysterious man asked him a simple question. Mutual bonds. Are they too safe of an investment? Clint Flapjack suddenly broke out into tears. He knew at that point what he had done. He had taken money dedicated to minding the gap and instead had safely invested it. Exactly with the opposite of the exactly the opposite of what the mysterious stranger wanted him to do. He got very close to the bars, right up near the mysterious man's face, and said to him, I have to get out of here. Things go badly when I'm trapped in a space like this. All the mysterious man did was stare at Clint. It was as if he knew Clint's secret, but wasn't willing to say it. 
All the mysterious man could say at this point was, Best of luck to you, Mr. Flapjack. Best of luck. As he slowly sauntered away. As if, by magic, he vanished. Mere seconds later, the guard walked past its cell, seemingly not noticing that anyone had been there before. He only noticed a a tear-covered, shaken flapjack inside of the cell. As the guard walked by, all Clint could mutter to himself was, ham and cheese omelet. Ham and cheese omelet. At that point, the guard's ears perked up. Excuse me, did you just say ham and cheese omelet to me? Clint just looked at him confused, wondering why the guard took this so personally. Then the guard got real close, real fast, right to his face and said, My grandmother's name was Ham and Cheese Omelette. How did you know that? Clint was surprised, just as much as the guard was, as to this strange and unusual personal connection. They bonded for a moment, in an unspoken connection. The guard could see Clint Flapjack was clearly going through something bigger than him. Without a word spoken, the guard reached down and put his key inside the lock of the cell, turning it and walking away. Clint slowly pushes open the cell door and enters the rest of the prison. Does he, A, try to escape the confines of the jail? B, go searching for a friend of his who had been locked up two decades earlier? Or C, see if he can locate the See if he can locate the crypt rumored to be buried beneath this jail, filled with danger. Flapjack remembered. My buddy Mitch is locked up somewhere in this jail. I think I gotta go find him. He'll know what to do in this situation. Things are getting really confusing, and they're making my head hurt even more than it already has. Plus, somebody really needs to get this blood off of me. (laughs) Mitch turns to, or uh, Flapjack turns to one of the guards, and he says, Yeah, um, I have a friend here. His name is is Mitch. Do you think you you could let me talk to him for a little bit? Uh, You know, it might jog my memory. And we can we could help we could help solve this this situation together. Officer Boyd says, "Yeah, I don't see why not. We'll go get Mitch for you, and we'll we'll uh, we'll work things out." You know, uh, I really want to get to the bottom of this as much as you do. I think, Mister Flapjack. All right. So they bring in Mitch, and Mitch is like, "Sup, sup?" Response: Flapjack. Uh, Mitch, how are you doing? You've been eating well. Yeah, I, you know, I get my three. I get my three meals a day. You've been working out, I see. Yeah, got lots of time. Got lots of time. Responds, Mitch. Um, by the way, how was the wife and kids? What wife and kids? Responds, Flapjack. Oh, I was thinking of somebody else. That's right. I forgot. For sorry, man. That's okay. Responds Flapjack. That's okay. Uh, Mitch and, and Flapjack are about to, you know, continue this me- this meaningless conversation 
when Officer Boyd interrupts them and says, you know, I, I, I have a wife and kids, and I'd like to get home to them at some point or another. So if you, if you could just hurry this along here, that would be wonderful. Okay, 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 says Mitch. Uh, so I hear that you're involved in a murder. A murder, responds Flapjack. Yeah, why do you think you have all that blood over your face? Um, well, I woke up this morning and I had $30,000 Venmoed to me in an account and I have no idea what to do with it. Mitch says to him, why, Flapjack, we all know you're an expert at investing in mutual funds. Maybe that money was supposed to go into a mutual fund. Flapjack thought for a moment. He didn't really he had never really invested in mutual funds, but he had read a lot about it. He was often known as a as a keen investor among his friends and in, in his uh, inner circle. Uh, oftentimes being called kind of a, uh, a a protege or a wizard in his field. Uh, even though that field was not investing, it was metaphysics. Um, although he did have a an undergrad degree that he studied for many years to get in American lit, but that's neither here nor there. Um, Flapjack thought for a moment, and uh, he said, no, no, no. I don't think this money was meant to be invested. Uh, but I have this strange memory of this Corvette. This this red Corvette and this hand lifting it up and then and then it dropping from from the air. Does that does that like jog any kind of memory with you, Mitch? A red Corvette. I mean, the only person I knew that had a red Corvette was No. No. After all these years Flapjack responds to him A Tony B Cousin Susie or C Professor Layton <laughs> Professor Layton why I haven't seen him since my college days but he can't possibly be back can he we buried him good and deep Mitch says, I know, even under all that concrete, there's no way it's him. The two men look at each other, confused and a little bit scared. At this point, Officer Boyd speaks up. Uh, I would like to repeat my previous comment about my wife and my children and not wanting to be here anymore. Uh, if there's nothing else to discuss here, uh, I will return Mitch to his cell. He begins to take Mitch out of the room, but the last words Mitch manages to say to Flapjack is, and remember, Flapjack, watch for the gap. Watch for the gap. It's at that point Mitch leaves the room, and while he's left alone from Officer Boyd, Flapjack decides to sneak his way out of the precinct. He, he rose no suspicion of anyone in the office, despite being in his boxer shorts and covered in blood. He managed to leave the building, wondering what his next steps would be. He decided it was time to track down Cousin Susie. She would know where to learn more about Professor Layton. 
Flash forward. Three hours. Mitch has gone home, washed the blood off his face, and changed into a totally white suit. Head-to-toe white suit. You see, Mitch was a stylish man, a man about town. Everyone knew, or not Mitch, Flapjack. Flapjack was a man about town. Everyone knew Flapjack. Not only was he sort of good at investing things that weren't mutual funds, but he was a keen mind, and a lot of people went to him for advice, including Cousin Susie. He's at Cousin Susie's house on the east side of Hoboken. You know, the one on the opposite side of the docks. There he began quizzing Cousin Susie about what she knew about Professor Layton. The issue? Cousin Susie also had amnesia. Flapjack began asking, when was the last time you saw Professor Layton? Do you remember his red Corvette? Cousin Susie said, I don't remember anything. Turned out this was a dead end. A fool's errand, as some might say. Flapjack was lost. He didn't know where to go. He began to wander around the gross, disgusting, filth-ridden streets of Hoboken, New Jersey, unsure of what his next move should be. Is at that point, he saw a sight he hadn't seen for some time. Was it A. Truckosaurus, the giant mechanical dinosaur that crushes cars in its teeth? Or was it the Cuban Freedom Parade? Or was it a half-off sale at Marshall's? You know, the thing about Marshalls is you can never have too many dress socks. Thought, uh, gr- grinned Flapjack as he shrugged. Yeah, but I don't have time for that now. I need to get off these streets, and I need to get into the Gap. Viewing Marshalls as a direct competitor to the Gap, and Flapjack was somewhat of a loyalist at that, um... He, he knew that loyalty was his top priority. Cousin Susie would understand. Something about this $30,000 that doesn't sit right, thought Flapjack. I mean, as of last night, I didn't even have a Venmo account. Come to think of it, I didn't have a phone either. I'm a notorious Luddite. I don't use technology, especially not phones, he thought. So to have a phone next to my bed and all of a sudden a Venmo account too with $30,000 in it, it's pretty strange. This has to be a setup, he thought to himself. Just then it began to snow. The cold snow started to to pour down uh, in in uh, first first in flakes, then a blizzard, starting to verge onto onto the the edge of a of a national emergency. But it it's 
it's it, it's July. It can't be snowing now. It can't be. There's no way. Flapjack ran through the streets of Hoboken. He needed to find cover. He needed to find some kind of protection from all of this snow. There's no way it's snowing right now. I mean, I know about global warming, but this is ridiculous. Uh, just then, he he turned a corner and popped right into a, a, a local Thai restaurant, one of the most popular joints in town. He knew about this place. This place had the best Thai peanut chicken he's ever had. Just then, his stomach started growling. Yeah, it's past dinner time, and I have had nothing to eat today. I think I better... Start eating this Thai peanut chicken that I'm going to order pretty soon and maybe a nice bubble tea to go with that. And really kind of think about how things have gone so far. He goes to the waiter. The waiter goes, hey, I know you from last night. You were here before. Get out. Get out of my restaurant. You are never welcome back here again. Me? Set, responds Flapjack. I wasn't here last night. I mean, maybe, maybe I was here last night. The thing is, I just don't remember. He holds his head in his hands and, and really tries to think back to last night. And he can't help but think about a red Corvette driving away with the license plate L N T three L N T three. He thinks L N T three L N T three. Is that the next thing that pops into his head is just one thing. It's just one quick thing that by association and he knows right away and it all just falls into place and he, and he solves the mystery. It's like a, like a lock opening up. Is it a safe combination, a computer password or the answer to a crossword puzzle? Clint looks down at the crossword puzzle he's trying to solve in the commissary. The answer just won't come to him. Who did star in the 1993 movie Fool's Gold? What is that actor's name? It's at that point the nurse calls for him. Nurse Linda. She says, Stephen, the doctor's ready to see you now. Stephen follows her into the doctor's office. The door closes behind him. Linda stays in the room, you know, for the doctor's safety. Steve, my name is Dr. Linton. And I am here because of the incident that happened. What do you remember about that incident? S Clint, or Stephen, thinks very hard about the moment. It's at that point he begins rambling on and on about all of these things he's seen and being tased in a gap and, and 
and being in a being killed in a cell, but he wasn't actually killed. And and all of these words just come spewing out of his mouth, and the doctor has to slow him down. Steven, 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 what are you talking about? Your name isn't Clint Flapjack. Your name is Steven. Steven Grimes. You don't remember what happened? We've been over this. You were in that diner, and you lost your temper and shoved those flapjacks down that man's throat until he died. And that's why you're here in the Gap. The Greenwood Asylum for Patients. You've been committed. It's at that point, Stephen looks down at himself. He's wearing, hospital, he's wearing a hospital gown. Tightly bound to his body. But... But it must have been real. It it felt so real. There was there was snow and there were there were mutual funds. No, Stephen, the doctor says, listen to me. The man you killed, his name was Futual Muns. We've been over this. Stephen, join me in the moment. You have to show some remorse for what you've done. Stephen looks at himself. He's not sure of where he is or where he's been, who he is or who he'll become. At this moment, he is nothing and he is everything. But then something comes to his mind. L-N-T-3. 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 Ellen DeGeneres, that's who was in Fool's Gold. The end. Yeah. We did it. That was great. You're very good well at improv, done. Matt. You you deserve a lot of credit. You're very good I, at it. I totally disagree with you. And I know we're the podcast that agrees about everything. No, but I thought I was that. terrible. No, I was cackling so Sean, hard. I thought you nailed you, it. You busted my ass on more than one occasion. So well done. <laughs> I thought that was good. I enjoyed that very much yeah. personally. I don't know about our audience will feel, but I would love to know because I've got other ideas for kind of improv y stuff if people enjoy it and want us to keep doing it. So I thought that was fun. I thought that was very fun. For the record, none of that was scripted. <laughs> you think? <laughs> you could tell. You think? Um, now, now, Matt, I have to. We have a smidge of time left. I have to ask: Was was there anywhere you wanted the story to go, or any anything that surprised you, or well, anything like any clues you dropped that I didn't pick up on? If I'm being completely honest, please. The the minute this all turned south, I think you could pinpoint it when he started running away from the cops. I think I think this could have been a very different story if he just agreed to go to the police station, and um, I don't know. It might have been a might have been a more cut and dry story. But were there any clues that I? I think I really wanted to try to flesh out the Thai restaurant owner character that I came up with at the very end. But at that point, I was like, there are already way too many loose ends here. We just ran out of time. Um, I would have loved that as well. But I'm sure there there could have been more stuff. The issue um, I had is is I kept trying to one up you. So when you would be like, so when you like, he ran from the police and stuff. I'm like, well, then he has to go to the Gap and get tased. And I'm like, that doesn't make any sense. And then, the and and then like you did the flashbacks. So I'm like, well, I have to do a flashback. And I'm like, he broke all his bones in the Grand Canyon. Did did not make a lot of sense. We did have a lot of flashbacks. It was it was a heavy flashback heavy story. But I I I really liked how you you tied it. And I knew I was like, I'm gonna set this up. I'm gonna yes. like, I was ready. This. I'm going to lob this fastball down the middle and I'm going to expect Sean to just hit it out of the park. 
I was, I, I put it this way. If you ever need an ending for a story, it was all in his head at an insane asylum. That's like Ooh. a good trope to go to. That's the, um, the scene elsewhere ending, right? Yes. Yep. Yeah. It's, it's your, your every crappy horror movie. Yeah. You're covered. Solid. I would definitely not mind doing this again. I agree. I thought this was, this I was agree. a fun a fun uh, exercise in creativity. Yeah, something something to do. I hope everyone out there enjoyed us. Please let us know. Send us some feedback. You can tweet at us at UpForDebateTV or email us UpForDebateTV at gmail.com. Of course, you can go to our website, UpForDebate.tv, at any time uh, and get all of our past episodes, all of our future episodes. There's information on how to subscribe to the show. You can get it anywhere you get podcasts. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Overcast, you name it, we're there. Uh, Sean, can we call, can we call this episode... Flapjacks flashbacks. Yes, that is our story <laughs> title. Tonight story? we present okay. Flapjacks flashbacks. It's going to be that or mind the gap, but I I like flashbacks. That could be like the subtitle. Flapjacks, flapjacks, flapjacks flashbacks, flashbacks colon mind the gap. So yeah. that way we can franchise this and have other flapjacks flashbacks. Mm. I love it. Um that is going to do it for this episode. I can't believe it. On behalf of Matt, I'm Sean. Thanks for being here, folks. We'll see you next time for uh, a slightly less improv episode of Up for Debate. This has been a Coffee and Beer production, executive produced by Matt Mariani and Sean Jennings. To learn more, visit coffeeandbeer.tv.